Mark chapter 10. I want to thank Pastor Brother Zach and Brother John for the opportunity to preach again. I preached just a couple months ago. And the Lord really laid a message on my heart about the decisions and choices that we make in life. In Mark 10, it tells the story of a rich young ruler who made the choice to not serve Jesus Christ. Um, there was a guy in our old church in Hawkinsville who told me, he was saying about decisions is that what, your life literally depends on one decision. He said you can build a reputation for five years and destroy it in five seconds. So really, what I want to touch on today is like, what is influencing your decisions and like, how are you making your decisions? If you're in Mark chapter 10, we're going to be in verse 17. And the Bible says, And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running, and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and thy mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasures in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad of that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the opportunity you've given us to come to your house tonight to worship you, Lord. I pray that you'd be with me. Call my nerves, Lord. Give me the words to speak. And I thank you for all. In Jesus' name, amen. When you see in this passage where first we're going to look at is the worldly influence. And it says in verse 22, and he said, and he was sad at that saying and went away grieved for he had great possessions. The rich man in this passage was influenced by his riches. When you think about worldly influences in today's world, you see that as like peer pressure and just like, I guess you could say, trends. And it says later in the passage, Jesus goes to say, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the, sorry, into the kingdom of God. When we let riches or possessions get in the way of God wanting to work in our lives, we miss out on all the blessings he would give us. He would just sacrifice a little. If you think about it, God really only asks us to give him back 10% of what he's already given us. And in the passage, there was so much blessing that was hinging on the decision to follow Christ. And instead of choosing the higher road, or the better decision in my opinion, um, the rich young ruler chose his possessions. As we go through the life, the choices we make will be influenced and criticized by people in this world. One thing that influences many people is their friends. If you have the right kind of friends, the right attitude is one that you will have. Johnny Pope said, made the quote that, tell, Show me who your friends are and I will tell you who you are or who you will soon be. In Second Samuel 13, uh, we read a story of an indomitable act that was um, committed by Jonadab. And I think, I believe it's verse 2 of the chapter where it says, And Jonadab thought it hard to do anything against his sister. And then a couple of verses later it says, But Ab- Amnon was a subtle man. It was because of Amnon's friendship to Jonadab that made him commit the sin. In our world, As an influence in this world, we should not only strive to be, not be a bad influence, but we should strive to make a good influence in this world. Elijah was a really good example of this. The second thing we're going to be looking at is godly influence. 
In this passage, Jesus was trying to do a work in the rich man's life, but his decision to keep riches and reject the opportunity to serve God blocked that chance. If you think about it, many people in my life has influenced me in a good or godly way and encouraged me. And um, God places those people in your life for a reason. Pastor, for one, has influenced me tremendously in my Bible study and my reading and stuff. And I've heard many people say the quote that our teenagers are the church of tomorrow. And I thought about that and I was thinking the church of tomorrow is not going to exist without the church of today influencing them. Um, one thing that I realized even at my age is that very many people are looking up to people. Like even as a teenager, there's people looking up to you. Even as a kid, there's other kids looking up to you. And even as an adult, there are a ton of people looking at you, seeing what you're doing. And one excuse that most people will use to not go to church is, oh, there's so much hypocrisy in the church. And I was thinking about that. And if you're really going to church and the only reason you're going to church is for the people and you're seeing that people are being hypocrites, then you're not going to church for the right reason. Um, if you're, when you're spirit-filled and you're going to church for the right reason, is going to God. And God will never change, and He will never tell you something that He will not fulfill. There is always an outcome to every decision, and most people think of it as a consequence. Most times when people hear the word consequence, it's always in a negative connotation. Consequence does not necessarily mean bad. The word consequence means something produced by a cause. If, what we're, if the decisions we're making are bad, then sure, yes, the consequence will be bad. It says you reap what you sow. It's very true. The result of Cain killing Abel was that Cain was now considered a stranger in his own house, and he was now a fugitive. The decision for Adam and Eve to sin in the garden resulted them, one, death, and sin entered the world, and thorns and thistles covered the ground. But also they were expelled out of the Garden of Eden. In 1 Samuel 8, if you take your Bibles and turn there, we read the story of Israel choosing a king. And if you think about that, there are so many times, we'll look at it when you get there. There are so many times Samuel kept warning them, hey, the kings are going to make your sons slaves. They're going to make your daughters maids. All this stuff is going to happen. It's not going to be a good thing because you're not choosing God's way. If you go to... Chapter 8 and verse 1, it says, And it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second, Abiah. They were judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre and took bribes and perverted judgment. For this reason, I think that's why most of the people in Israel wanted a king, because they saw the perversion that the sons of Samuel were making. And it's kind of like... It's basically exactly what people do today. When they see a Christian who's living in sin, who's literally acting like the world when they're not in church, it makes them think, so why do I have to go to church if when these church people outside are acting just like I am? What makes the difference? And so in verse 10, actually we'll back up to verse um, 6, verse 5, sorry. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and called, came to Samuel and to Ramah, verse 5. And said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. That's the problem right there. Is they were thinking, they were concerned about what everybody else was doing. God did not call us into the world to be like the world. He called us in this world to be influence, a light to the world. In verse 7, And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee. For they not, have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. 
Skip down to verse 10. And Samuel told all the people, told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked for him, of him a king. And he said, This will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots, and to be his horsemen. And some shall run before his chariots. And he will appoint him captains over thousands and captains over fifties. And will set them to ear his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his instruments of war and instruments of his chariots. And he will take your daughters to be confectionaries and to be cooks and to be bakers. And he will take your fields and your vineyards and your olive yards, even the best of them, and give them to to his servants. In verses 10 through 14, you basically just see almost the entire livelihood of people in the old days. You think about your family. And then your possessions. And that's what most people were defined by in their old days. And so that's one, I guess you could say, result of their decision to choose a king over Israel. Now that we've looked over what our choices do and the like influences for our choice, we, I want to compare those with Christ's choice in the garden. When we think about the Christian life and life in general, Jesus Christ is a... a Wonderful example for literally every part of life. When he was tempted by Satan, he was tempted with the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And Jesus showed us every time how to overcome those temptations. When Jesus faced a great decision in life, he went to the Father in prayer. If you take your Bibles and turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 26, it gives us the story of Jesus in the garden. I'm just going to be highlighting a few verses. But I think it's important that we see this. We're going to start in verse 36. And the Bible says, Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. We see here that Jesus was definitely faced with a very, very grave decision to make. And I think God being omniscient, knowing exactly what's going to happen, he knew that he would die. And that's what shows us the human nature of Christ, where he said, Father, if it's not thy will... Let this cup pass me. Jesus didn't want to die. I don't think any red-blooded person would want to die. And it says, as, as a result of Jesus Christ making that decision, Jesus Christ, God turned his back on his own son. And thinking about that, if I did something so, I guess you could say, bad, that made my father turn his back on me, I feel like that would be like crushing. And the result, and well, the reason that God turned His back on His Son is because He took on our sin. God cannot look at sin and still be a holy God. And so, when Jesus Christ went on the cross and He took our sins and laid them on Him, when God saw that He had to turn His back because He couldn't look at sin, and so that just it kind of like almost I don't know like breaks me because thinking about what I do influenced God turning His back on His own Son. And we'll see that what influenced Christ's decision to die on the cross for our sins. It was love. Jesus' love for us is what caused him to go the extra mile and die on the cross in our place. An often misunderstood statement is that when we stand before God, we are seen as if we had no sin. That's not true. It's, okay, so it's incomplete. 
when we, when we stand before God in His presence, God does not see us as if we didn't sin. God sees us as if we were His own son. Because God took, Jesus took on our sin and then gave us His righteousness. This is why we are able to come before His throne with boldness. Which is what it tells us in Hebrews 4.16. And so now we see what influenced Christ's decision and like an example for us. So for the believer, is it your choice to serve? Are you holding back from God something that He wants? And if we think about it, God has given us so much. He's given us life. He's given us happiness. He's given us His Son. What, what is that small thing that you would have that God is asking you, Hey, I just want this. I can do so much with you if you just give this one thing up. But we just keep holding back. No, you can have all this. But if it's this, that's an idol. And that's what God wants us to give up. God's a jealous God. He doesn't want to be replaced by anything. And as a human nature, we long for almost an authoritative figure in our lives. That's why... I think it was almost instinct when God created us that he set us that he set himself over us. So you have the choice to serve. If you're an unbeliever in here, you also have a choice to receive salvation. If you don't know Christ tonight, maybe tonight will be the time you realize that you have a choice to make. If you choose Christ, you can choose salvation and heaven and many other blessings, but if you don't choose him, It's going to be a life of misery and then eternal death and hell. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for the decisions that you've given us, Lord. You created us with a free will, with the freedom to choose, Lord. I pray that we would choose according to your will and not our own, Lord. I thank you for all you've done, Jesus.